sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. My heart is heavy today. 11 Americans were cut down in a grocery store in Buffalo, New York. When was the last time you went into a grocery store and worried about being shot? This is entirely based on a myth, a myth that is pervasive, especially among white Americans. It's a myth that America belongs to white Christians and anyone else is to be feared. Our guest today is my good friend and colleague, Professor Timothy Golden. Tim, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Thank you, Alan. Thank you for having me. And it's good to be with you, although I certainly wish it were under better circumstances discussing a topic not as difficult as this one. But thank you for having me. The Great Replacement. I don't know if our listeners are familiar with it, but it is a concept, a conspiracy theory, a myth that is closely tied in with a myth about the sort of Christian nation, which very directly relates to religious freedom. It's hard to separate religion and race anymore in the dynamics of American life. What is the Great Replacement? Well, Alan, just to place this in context, if we go back to Charlottesville of 2017, when President Trump said there were very fine people on both sides of a protest that resulted in the death of a young woman named Heather Heyer when a white nationalist drove a car through a crowd of protesters. If you remember one of the slogans that was shouted by sort of neo-Nazi Ku Klux Klan types as they walked through the streets of Charlottesville was, quote, Jews will not replace us. I'm Jewish. I remember very well. <laughs> That's right. And so this idea of Christians being replaced that we saw in Charlottesville provides a context for what happened in Buffalo. Because what happened in Buffalo is this added dimension of race in which replacement theory is, is seen as a theory that says America was made for white Christians and we are on the verge of being replaced by immigrants and by people of color. And it results in certain political activities anti-immigration policies, etc. And what we saw in Buffalo very tragically was that it also results in terrorist activities where someone will drive for hours across the state of New York to get to Buffalo to target an African-American inner city neighborhood and shoot 13 people and kill 11 of them. I think... now. Tim, I'm making a connection here because before we started the show, we were talking about the opposition about teaching critical race theory, which is not being taught in 
uh, elementary and secondary schools and public schools. But basically, you know, not wanting to teach the racial history of the country. And I can see why not, because uh, if you're going to talk about, you know, white people being replaced by black people or people of color, and I think back on the population in colonial America, you had African slaves imported, outnumbered white people in many, many states or colonies. And of course, Native Americans, we used to call Indians, also outnumbering white people. So to say that, you know, this was a white Christian nation is just a complete repudiation of American history. Right. Well, here's the rub, Alan. It's a white Christian nation when the Africans that you just referenced are chattel. Because if you're chattel, you're not a person. If you're not a person, you can't be a citizen. If you're not a citizen, you don't count. And since the North and the South got together at the Philadelphia Convention and decided that they couldn't live without slavery, their logic was, well, we'll just leave it up to the individual states to decide what they want to do. And they ensured slavery for the perpetual future, for the foreseeable future, I should say. So, yeah, it's a problem, but it's so layered and it's so complicated because America was essentially founded twice. It was an embarrassment during the Reconstruction era when we realized that black people who had essentially built the country's economic infrastructure through cotton and tobacco and a variety of other sort of slave-driven industries, uh, were never considered citizens. Never and even considered human beings, really, fully. That's right. We're never considered human beings. And the real tragedy, Alan, of replacement theory is that it is evidence that while we have left the letter of the Dred Scott decision, the spirit of Dred Scott, is very much alive in replacement theory. Because if you remember Dred Scott, what the Supreme Court said was that black people have no rights that whites are bound to respect. This was a country that was made for white people, founded by white people. In fact, there's a good argument to make that many of the tenets of replacement theology could be lifted almost verbatim from the Dred Scott decision. So we've moved on from the letter of Dred Scott, but tragically, our legal, our social, our political, and our cultural ethos is infiltrated with Dred Scott logic through and through. Well, and many of our scholars have pointed to the fact that the conservative movement wants to undo the second founding, which is to say the post-Civil War amendments to the Constitution that granted full equality to blacks, not yet to women. You know, it took giving them the right to vote another, you know, what, 50, 60 years later before that happened. Replacement theology. You know, I've only used that term in a context of did the church replace Israel and the relationship of Israel and the church theologically, right? But now we have this very racially charged. So here's the problem. It's too easy for Americans to think, oh, this is fringe. You know, these are the lunatic, you know, radical terrorist, you know, whatever, white supremacist guys. You know, this isn't a real factor in the mainstream 
evangelical or conservative worlds. And, you know, I typically don't like to name names or call people out, but as a matter of record, the most popular television show, you know, news-oriented or opinion-oriented show in the nation, Tucker Carlson's show has discussed replacement 400 times. And leading politicians, popular politicians, I won't name them, have also repeatedly echoed these concepts of replacement. This is not fringe. It is mainstream. And it's very, very disturbing, isn't it? It is, Alan. There was a time, perhaps 30 years ago, before the internet, when this was fringe. But with the proliferation of social media technology comes these disturbing virtual realities in which people only communicate with others who think like them, and thus algorithms create this virtual world in which people reinforce their misunderstanding of the world or their bad ideas or their bad arguments with other bad arguments. And we end up with the line between what's mainstream and what's on the fringe being blurred because everybody has access to their own unique individual reality that they think is somehow superior to everyone else's. And that's what happened with the shooter in Buffalo. He was radicalized online using social media. I think it's time for us to have a real conversation, not today, but at some point, um, not in you and I, but our culture, about whether social media is doing more harm than good. Oh, uh, yes. Well, we know that it is. Those conversations thing. are taking place, by the way. They very much are. Yeah. But, you know, I want to tie this back in, Tim, with kind of the basics of, of why Freedom's Ring exists and what religious freedom really means. Because at its core, it's based on the premise that we are all children of our almighty creator, God, endowed with equal dignity and respect. Right. And God respects our right to worship, to believe, not to believe, you know, our conscience rights. We're not compelled to all share the same beliefs or believe and worship in the same way. What we see with replacement, you know, theory, the great replacement is an us and them attitude that says, you know, we are valued and you are not. And that's what leads to violence. It leads to persecution. And frankly, it is the spirit that we see in the religious movement that leads to the mark of the beast, that becomes the final persecuting movement as portrayed in the pages of, of Holy Scriptures, of the book of Revelation, chapter 13, where a majoritarian faith imposes religious strictures on uh, the rest of those and dissenters are subjected to persecution, penalties, and, and death, right? So, uh, you know, the picture is one of grave intolerance based on this us and them, my way or the highway, creating the other. And the great replacement theory creates the other. You know, we whites, we are the us, and people of color are the other, and they don't deserve to live, ultimately, and, 
in the more extreme versions of it. It's replacement theory, Alan, in some is a cultural version of the Dred Scott decision. It is a, a proclamation that America was made for white people, made by white people, and those whites are Christians, and anybody who doesn't fit into that paradigm is a threat and needs to be eliminated, lest we, the white Christians, be replaced. That sounds pretty harsh, Tim, but I think it's actually just about right. And I would challenge, you know, those who harbor anti-immigrant sentiments who are concerned, oh, well, there's too many immigrants or too many of this or that, uh, you know, who didn't think it was so terrible for Donald Trump to, to demean Mexicans as rapists and, and what have you. Um, you know, you need to rethink your attitude, frankly, because um, it's not Christian and it really is unbecoming of Americans to to forfeit our whole, the genius of our country, which is we're all immigrants. Unless you're, you know, Native American, we're all from immigrant stock. And let's face it, the reason we're so strong is because the best and brightest of all nations and cultures have come here to better themselves. And so we have kind of, through natural selection, you know, we're cut above precisely because we're a nation of immigrants and and that's our strength and the best and brightest still want to come here and study and contribute to our industries and it's just a tragedy that there is this sentiment of rejecting the other that's right it is a tragedy and if we're really honest in our assessment of america's origins this is not surprising because the country began not with a document that ended slavery, but with a document that ensured slavery would continue for the foreseeable future, at least. On that note, Tim, we're going to have to close off our discussion. Our guest today, my good friend, Professor Timothy Golden. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinock. Until next week, let freedom continue ringing. <laughs>